serving as one of the pastors here at the church. Some of you heard that I was speaking and you stayed. So I'm so glad you guys are here. But out of my insecurity, I did lock the doors. So we are here for a while. <coughs> Excuse me. Um, but no, so glad that you are here for those joining online. And for those that are here, so glad that we can just share a few moments together on this Sunday. Uh, before I get going, though, I have an announcement, and I hope that's okay. Um, transformations, maybe you heard that in the previous announcements, but Transformations is coming up, and this is going to be starting not tomorrow, but the following Monday. And this is just an amazing way, a fantastic way uh, to get to know God and to do it with others. Like, that's it. That was one of my first introductions to Every Nation Vancouver. I joined the church, and then the second week, I was leading a group. And it was very, very good just to meet people, but just uh, some who are on the same life journey, some who are on different life journeys. But being introduced to who God, who he is, and to do life with him together. And so um, maybe this is for you. Maybe this is uh, this church is new for you. Maybe God is new to you. This is one of the best ways to engage in a conversation about God. Maybe in your D groups, maybe this is a way for, if your group hasn't started yet, maybe this is a way to kind of jumpstart that. I know we did that last year with our group. We waited till transformations happened, started our group, and actually gave birth or multiplied, not birth, <laughs> uh, multiplied another group, another D group out of that experience. So, is very good. So yeah, transformations. After the service, we will have iPads in the back to where you can sign up for Equip uh, for next week, but you can also sign up for transformations if you would like. Excuse me. <coughs> so right now, we are going to continue in a series called Relational Rhythms. And if you have a Bible, we're going to be in Matthew chapter 4. We're actually going to be all over the place because... Uh, I did a lot of studying, and I didn't do a lot of deleting, so I kept a lot of verses in, but Matthew 4 is where uh, we're going to end up, and we are currently in a series called Relational Rhythms, where we're taking a look at things that God has given us to do uh, as his people to help us grow in our relationship with him and with others, and today, I was given the spiritual habit or the relational rhythm of fasting. Now, I don't know if you know this, but like fasting is the kale of spiritual habits. You know it's good for you, but you don't often do it. However, at ENV, this has not been my experience. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> oh, sorry about that. Um, at ENV, this has not been my experience. Um, because once a year, as a spiritual family, as a church family, but also as an every nation family, as a global family, we get together for our week of prayer and fasting, where we get together. We have booklets where we write down requests, where we do studies together on what God is possibly inviting us into during this time of prayer and fasting. And we have prayer meetings uh, with it. And it's actually quite incredible. And my first experience uh, with this was when I was in the Philippines, and I was interested in this girl. Her name's Kat. She's now my wife, but I was interested in her, and so I asked her one week. I said, hey, I'd really like to get to know you. Would you mind if I took you out to dinner one night? She goes, yeah, but 
you can't this week because my church is doing a week-long prayer and fasting. I'm like, that's the worst spiritual excuse I've ever heard. Like, are you serious right now? And she goes, no, we are, but hey, why don't you come join us? I'm like, okay. And so I joined, and it was amazing to just fast with spiritual family, and actually since 2006, have been joining the Every Nation family with prayer and fasting. So with that being said, and allowing us to, yeah, join what God is doing, and we get to do that together. And so what does that look like? Maybe you have experienced that before. Maybe you've had other experiences with prayer and fasting. Maybe when I say fasting, that just sounds bizarre. It sounds weird. Is that just another Christian thing? Yes, it is. So what is it? Well, fasting is found in the Old and New Testament. So all through scripture, we see different levels and different purposes for fasting. And we have about 30 examples all throughout scripture about what, uh, what this kind of looks like. Um, and through all those 30 stories, it's not an abnormal practice. It's actually quite normal. The people who participated say, oh yeah, and now we fast. We see that fasting was used for so many things. First, seeking God's direction. I believe the verse will be on the screen. In Exodus 34, it says this, so he, Moses, was there with the Lord 40 days and 40 nights. He neither ate bread nor drank water, and he wrote on the tablets of the words of the covenant, the 10 commandments. So here we see that Moses fasted for 40 days. We see other examples uh, in the stories that maybe it's a 24-hour fast, maybe it's longer than that. But here it's 40 days where Moses leaned on God for direction, for wisdom, and guidance in writing the Ten Commandments, basically God's word for his people. And God not only sustained Moses during the fast, but he also gave him something. He gave him wisdom and direction. We also see this in the beginning of the church in the New Testament where it says in Acts 13.3, so after they fasted and prayed, they placed their hands on them and sent them off. This particular fast took place after the life and death and resurrection of Jesus. And this action wasn't about legalism um, or doing it just because it's good, but there was a hunger by the church. There was a hunger by the people who were searching for guidance and wisdom that could only come from God. And they wanted to know what should the church's next steps be. And what they wanted to do was keep a vertical focus, much like our experience as we fast as a church. God, what are our next steps to be? We also see that fasting um, is used for the purpose of humility in Ezra chapter eight. I proclaimed a fast so that we might humble ourselves before our God and ask him for a safe journey for us and our children with all our possessions. So we fasted and petitioned uh, to our God about this, and he answered our prayer. Here, fasting was a means to humility, a change of character. As the people sought God in prayer for protection, they physically stopped eating. That was their response, to show that they wanted these things, not from any other source, but from God. Uh, also, we see that fasting can be used for intimacy with God, not for the praise of man. As we see in Matthew chapter six, and this is probably the most familiar one that we've uh, seen. When you fast, these are Jesus's words, do not look somber as the hypocrites do, for they disfigure their faces to show others that they are fasting. Truly, I tell you, they have received their reward in full. But when you fast, put oil on your head and wash your face so that it will not be obvious to others that you are fasting, but only to your, 
excuse me, but only to your Father who is unseen. And your Father who sees what is done in secret will reward you. As Christians, our intentions matter. Faith takes our life to a level unseen. It is possible to do, thank you very much, Did nothing. (coughs) No, thank you, though. But as Christians, our intentions matter. Faith takes our life to a level unseen. And it is possible to do everything right on the outside. But without the proper heart, it doesn't serve its purpose. We fast. We make physical withdrawals so that we might draw near to God and rely on him. And finally, fasting is accompanied by prayer, as we typically say, prayer and fasting. In Luke chapter 2, we see the story of Anna. Uh, She was a widow until she was 84. She never left the temple, but worshiped night and day, fasting and praying. So from all these examples, here's what we see what fasting is, just in case we ever thought, like, what, what is fasting? We see that it is a common practice for those who believe in God. It helps align and refocus our motivations. Uh, We also see that there is a period where in fasting, you stop your routine of eating or you stop your routine of something to bring your attention physically back to who God is. It's almost always accompanied by prayer because it's on a faith level and it's also an ongoing practice. And we're gonna get to that in just a second. But for the rest of our time, So that that was a little Bible study. You're welcome. Uh, But for the rest of our time, I wanted to look at three things that we find in fasting. And the three things, I hope, are what we want out of any practice, out of any relational rhythm, anything we do with God. We ask these three things. And it's this. We want to know the why. Why are we doing it? Basically, why should I make time for this? That's what we want to know, right? So, yeah, God said it, but sometimes that's not enough. So why should I make time for this? The second is the response, which essentially is, what's this going to cost me? What is this going to take from me? And third is the result. What actually changes if I do this? If I participate, what actually changes? So if you have your Bibles, Matthew chapter 4, I'm going to read the first 11 verses. And it says this. Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. After fasting 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. Makes sense. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, It is written, People do not live on bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. Then the devil took him to the holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down, for it is written. So Satan is quoting scripture to Jesus. He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Jesus answered him, well, it is also written, do not put the Lord, your God, to the test. Verse 8, again, the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their splendor. All this I will give you, he said if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. So the why, why fasting? 
<coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> so we see here, Jesus goes into the desert and is led by the Spirit essentially to face a spiritual attack. Thank you. Holy Spirit, <laughs> to be led to spiritual attack. And Jesus' next action for the next 40 days is to fast, is to be without food. Why? Why does he do this? Because this does not seem normal to me. If I know I'm about to be attacked or I'm gonna be put to the test, I want more knowledge, I want to be equipped more, I want to bring friends so that they get challenged and not me. Like, I want to bring that kind of stuff. But Jesus says, no, I am going to fast for 40 days. I mean, if a friend came to you and said, yeah, I'm just trying to work some things out, so I'm going to go on a journey. I'm going to go backpacking for 40 days. Cool. What do you bring him? Nothing. Like, you would kind of think, are you okay? (laughs) Is everything okay? But... Jesus has an intention with his fasting. And I'd like to suggest that Jesus' fast is not just the hope of something, but it is a response to something. Uh, The author, Scott McKnight, he has a book called Fasting. Read it this week. It's fantastic. And he says this, fasting is a response to a very serious situation. Not an act that gets us from a good level to a better level, but a situation that he calls a sacred moment. And here's some examples that he gives of sacred moments. Sin, when we do something that brings separation, when we do something that hurts us. Death, when something is out of our control and changes what we were used to. Fear, when we just don't know what to do. The control's gone. Threats, needs, sicknesses. All of these physical moments become a sacred moment. And this sacred moment is an opportunity to bring our soul and body together. Now, I find this interesting because usually this is not my personal fasting journey. Usually, I grab my prayer journal for the week of prayer and fasting. I write down the things I want to see God do in that week in faith. I write them down. And then I have my favorite foods for the next three days, just because I'm not going to see them for about seven days. So I have all my favorite foods and you know, yeah, that's your pastor. And like just preparing that way. But rarely am I responding to a moment. Instead, I'm creating a moment with expectations. Kind of like a child who holds their breath and says like, if you don't do this, I'm not gonna breathe, you know? And I'm like, please. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. But like, it's like, really? Is that what you have? And I want and I wonder if sometimes we, we can treat fasting like that, but here Jesus is responding to a moment. So what is the sacred moment? What is the sacred moment that he's responding to? Well, if you look in chapter three, it ends with Jesus' baptism. He is baptized. And when he is baptized and comes out of the water, the heavens open up. The voice of God speaks. That's my boy. Like, it just speaks. It's incredible. And the Holy Spirit descends like a dove. Like, this is an incredible moment because Jesus is declaring right now before the seen and unseen world who he is. This is God on earth for us. It's incredible. Now, usually with sacred moments, we celebrate with eating, right? Even funerals, we celebrate with eating. But Jesus makes himself physically weak. 
in order to not just spiritually depend on God, but to depend on him physically as well. Sometimes, I know with my own experience, I am all about the spiritual things. Yet please, let a spiritual act happen. Yes, enlighten me. Give me wisdom. I want a spiritual thing to take place. But sometimes when that happens, I forget to bring my body along. But God cares about both because he made both. And if Jesus is changing you spiritually, the hope is that you would be able to see it physically on the outside as well, as our actions will be an outward expression of the inward reality of what he is doing in our lives. Think of your own sacred moments for a moment. When you realize that something was not right in your everyday pattern, whether you got angry way too easy, you hurt the people you loved way too much, you stressed about things over and over again, and you're worried about your provision coming from here other than God. And when we realize that there is a better purpose, a better relationship, you get to see this at baptism, which is quite incredible. People who are literally turning their back on the world and facing Jesus fully and say, whatever you want, I'm here. It's incredible. And when we realize that there's something better, that there's a relationship that we are in need of, that's when that sacred moment can happen. Think for yourselves. Camp. How many of you had a sacred moment at camp? Jesus met you where you were. Baptism, like I said. A spiritual conversion. Something happened. Life would not be the same anymore. Even transformations. If you have taken transformations, another plug. But if you've taken transformations, realize, oh, this is what relationship with God is like or a service trip, or something like that. So how do you respond? Did you leave Jesus in those moments? I know I have. Like, oh God, you met me at camp, this is great. Now I'm gonna go back, and I'll meet you next year at camp. But no, Jesus wants to come with us. By fasting, we get our physical body connected with our spiritual pilgrimage towards a deeper relationship with Christ. We fast to allow God to be the provider in this new life change. So what is our response? Next, we see in the story, we see that Satan tempts Jesus in three ways. He tempts him with hunger, with power, and with authority. Now, now I know this is the temptation of Christ, okay? It's not a prescriptive text on how to fast or what even happens during a fast. But I believe this attack happens because of this sacred moment. Because when sacred moments happen, it gets our attention. It also gets Satan's attention. It really does. Side note, I just found this amazing. Why did Satan attack now? Why didn't Satan attack Jesus like when he was born or before he was baptized? I think this just says something about our enemy, that he's limited in knowledge. Sure, he may have knowledge, but he has no wisdom. He has no understanding. He didn't know who Jesus was until he hears the voice of God saying, this is him. And I wonder in our own journeys as well, like when we step in and say, yep, Jesus, I'm all in. You know, when people get baptized, we pray for them against spiritual attack. Why? Because you've just declared war on the enemy. You've just said, hey, I'm getting baptized, not because my life is gonna be perfect, but because now God is in my life. And I want people to know that. So, um, yeah, when we get close to God in these sacred moments, it will always cost us something. And these are three things I just want to look at real quick. 
It will cost us physically. It'll cost us spiritually. And it will also cost our willingness to trust. So the first one, man does not live by bread alone. Here's the physical thing that Satan is tempting Jesus with. John Calvin, one of my heroes, he says this, with a full stomach, our minds are not fully lifted to God. What we depend on physically can separate us from the dependence of God. Just a quick example of this. When COVID first hit, the first month, it wasn't as hard as I thought it was going to be. It wasn't. I'm like, okay, don't have to see everyone every week. No offense. None, yeah, no one's in this room. But just, you know, I don't have to go through the same routine. I don't have to do that. This is great. This is nice. Nice change of pace. But then after the second month and then the third month, I kept saying to Kat, I'm like, Kat, we, we got to meet in church again. We got to get people together again. And Kat, God bless her, she said, why do you need to get back to church so bad? I said, well, because that's my spiritual family. And she goes, can I tell you why I think you need to get back? I'm like, no. Well, yeah. Why do you think I need to get back? She goes, I think you miss being useful. And when you get back there, people are going to say, oh, Pastor Matt, can you pray for me? Oh, Pastor Matt, good to see you. Oh, Pastor Matt, thank you for all you do. I'm like, well, yeah, it does happen. It's kind of cool. (laughs) But she's like, right now, you have the opportunity to be closer to God than you've ever been. When you wake up, he's right here. Wherever you go, he's right there. You don't have to go back to church. I hope we get to go back, but you don't have to go right now. And it was amazing because I wanted to get back to church so bad, but the last person I expected to meet was Jesus. I expected to meet my comfort. I expected to meet my physical needs. I expected to meet people saying, we need you. (laughs) Can you say it? No, okay. That's what I was hoping for, but no, I needed Jesus. And I wonder, you know, even now during COVID, in our own personal journeys, like, You know, instead of finding comfort in God and that relationship, we find comfort in other things. We we get dogs, we get uh, online, um, whatever, dating services and all these things. And and you might think, Matt, that's easy for you to say. It's very easy for me to say because I don't like pets and I don't have a subscription on a dating service. So it's very easy. (laughs) But then when I was preparing for this, Kat said, oh, yeah, you should put in renovations and Netflix and sports. I'm like, shut up, woman. Like, that's too much. But the same thing. Fasting takes away our physical comforts and reminds us of how frail we really are. In this temptation, Satan continues. He says, throw yourself down and angels will pick you up. I will give you supernatural power. Do you ever get frustrated as a follower of Christ that you... Don't say yes. But yeah, do you ever get frustrated that you are called to live by faith, but you can't control it? Like every time I pass by my neighbors, I just wish I could be like saved, saved, saved. Like that's what I want, but it's like faith, faith, faith. You are called to action, but you don't know how it will play out. Prayer and fasting are both done in faith, not in our control but by our dependence on God. Um, The purpose of fasting, 
is so much deeper than simply giving up food for a bit. It's not just an outward practice, but it's an inner, or excuse me, inner transformation. God cares about the things we care about, or should I say we should care about the things that God cares about. We don't solve the issues of hate, even though I really want to. We don't solve the issues of injustice and government. I know we pray for government during our week of prayer and fasting. We need to continue, but we don't solve that. We don't change the hearts. We can't provide for the world on our own power. We need his. So we call out for his help, his power. And he will say, here am I. Here I am. Um, And what fasting does, it's about addressing the deep, ugly things that separate us from God, untying the cords and breaking free to his power. And the third temptation is kingdoms of the world. Jesus, or Satan basically saying, I'll give you authority over everything if you give me your authority. And Jesus says to him, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Giving up authority is not always a pretty thing. It's not. If you've ever had to give it up, it's not pretty. It's not just giving up the stuff you don't like. It's saying that you will trust someone other than yourself. And this can be a sad thing. It can be a very hard thing. As we see in Joel chapter two, it says this, even now declares the Lord, return to me with all your heart, with fasting and weeping and mourning. You had me at fasting. You lost me at weeping and mourning. Rend your heart, not your garments. Ooh, rend your heart. Return to the Lord your God, for he is gracious and compassionate, slow to anger and abounding in love, and he relents from sending calamity. Our authority does not get served through fasting, but it brings our attention to God's authority. There is one authority that is over all. So what is the result? What is the result? Because there are some results to this physical act of fasting but they are results that have always been there through Christ. Life, forgiveness, safety, hope, answers, the things that we want. But when we fast, when we cling on to Jesus for who he is, it opens the eyes of our body and our soul and opens them again to who Christ is. There's no guarantee on the exact result of things that we're hoping for. But the idea is that a relationship with God becomes the normal. Because God just doesn't want our voices through fasting. He wants our hearts. He doesn't just want us to say what we need. No, he wants us to listen to what he has for us. Fasting reveals the choice that I get to make. I heard one pastor say, and I've been wrestling with this, and it makes sense. I choose how close I want to be to God. I choose that. That can be a hard thing to say, but think of it. If I want to know what God says, I pick up his word. If I want his wisdom, I ask for it. I pray for it. If I want to see change in myself, I say something. I do something in faith. I get to choose how close I want to be to God. And what fasting does is it resets our body, our spirit, and our mind to who we truly need. If it's okay, we're, we're going to end in a second. I'll invite the worship team up. Could you just bow your heads with me real quick? Please don't fall asleep. But if you could bow your heads.
And maybe if this is your first time in a church, we're so glad you're here. Um, But here's what I'd like you to do. I think all of us have been through a sacred moment called COVID. This thing has changed everything. It really has. And our responses has been what they need to be. We're afraid of the unknown. Sometimes we don't like being told what to do. So we we hold on to what we know, to what's ours, to our rights, to all of these things. Some of us haven't been able to see loved ones in a long time because of travel restrictions. Some of us have lost loved ones, have been affected by the sickness. This has changed us. And what I'd like you, what I'd like to ask you right now, through the sacred moment, how are you doing? Physically. What does your relationship with God look like right now? Can it be found in stuff or can it be found in him? How about power? Another good word is just control. Is our control coming from our knowledge, from our fear, from our safety, from our own desires? Are we trusting God that his love is enough, his power is enough, that he can do way more than we can ever imagine? And how about authority? Whose word are you trusting right now? Maybe you have some big decisions to make, a job, future relationship, a current relationship, raising kids, your own marriage, things that are going to, that need an answer, and you know what you want to say. What is God's voice saying? Who are you trusting? You can open your eyes. At the end of this message, I don't just want to end with application of how to fast, when to do it, and those kind of things. I think the opportunity is there, the invitation is there. But instead of ending with application, I want to end with implication. What happens if we don't trust God physically? What happens if we don't trust his power? What happens if we don't surrender to his authority? You could just bow your heads, close your eyes again. I'm going to pray, and then we're going to respond. Heavenly Father, we come before you now. Lord, again, we thank you for this gift of fasting. And just like all of these practices, all of these things, they are to get our attention to what you have been saying all along. You made us for a reason. You want us for a reason. And Lord, sure, there are many reasons why we don't want you. (laughs) I think we just listed three of them. But God, when we can't find answers that are sufficient enough, that are long-lasting enough, Lord, I pray that we hear your voice. Pray that we look to you and seek you. Thank you for these ways that we get to connect with you. And God, would you just teach us what it means, again, to be fully dependent on you, mind, body, spirit. In Jesus' name, amen.